Hello, dear ones, and welcome to the Amazing Way podcast, hosted by me, Dr. Beth Reese, mother of three awesome kids and founder of Yoginos Yoga for Youth. Listen and share this podcast. Hope you enjoy. When I was six years old and started hurling chairs at my mom, Dr. Beth Reese, in the dining court of the Salt Lake City Airport, she knew something was up. Hi, this is Jordan, and I'm one of her three awesome kids. Soon after that day at the airport, my mom learned that her daughter, me, had sensory processing disorder considered by many to be a spectrum disorder. My mom spent years searching and researching for tools to help me pause, center myself, create who I really am, and then press play. Thus, she developed Flower Power Breath, which I still use to this day in college, and she also found a passion for helping others find their way through the means of yoga. The Amazing Way podcast synthesizes over two decades of my mom's work, bringing mindfulness, mental hygiene, and yoga on and off the mat to teachers, parents, and families in homes, classrooms, schools, and beyond. This podcast offers practical ideas and tools for integrating research-based self-regulation tools into daily life. Take it from me, you want to check this podcast out. Yeah, baby. Hi, welcome to the Oh Amazing Way podcast. My name is Beth Reese. I'm the host and also the founder of Yoginio Suga for Youth. And today I have a most special guest. I have La Sarmiento here with us. La, how are you doing today? I'm well, Beth. How are you? I'm really, really great. And I'll actually confess that I was I had a little uh, like nervous body sensations about like having you on the podcast and being with you today. We we mm-hmm. sort of met with the Resilent Retreat I was on, but we didn't meet, you know, face to face and have a chance to speak. And but really, as soon as I've heard your voice today, and then being with you in these first few minutes before. We started recording your presence is just as lovely and calming and grounding as I could ever imagine so thank you <laughs> you're welcome dear yeah I, I was very nervous too <laughs> as I think I may have said in the uh, at the retreat I, I tend to be a very reluctant teacher you know and I, I'm super introverted and shy and so I always use teaching and opportunities like this to actually work through my own fears and insecurities and doubts about you know, me. <laughs> so it's all good practice. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for that, you know, great authenticity already. And so La, I can think of no better time than to take like three grounding breaths together. Mm-hmm. Um, and for Sounds those of you good. listening, uh, please join us. It's just a great practice anytime, anywhere to settle the body, settle the mind. And, and if not settle, to just really be with and invite for tea, whatever is there. So I'm going to uncross my hands and legs and just sit comfortably if you'd like to do that as well. And if it's available to you to close your eyes or lower your gaze, I invite you to do that as well. And just coming into that quiet space, if you can, and noticing where your body is meeting the earth. And just start to take, notice your breath coming in to your body through your mouth or nose. And notice the breath out. 
And if it feels right for you to take a really deep breath in, maybe imagine you're smelling a flower or just allowing your belly to expand. And then even exhale that out with a sigh. And doing one last breath, breathing in. And as you breathe out, perhaps allow your shoulders, stomach, hips to just soften and melt towards the earth. And as you're ready, softly flutter your eyes open. Ah. Yeah, you know, I don't know about you, but even in this context or being in a meeting or starting a meeting, just taking a few moments to get present can feel so enlivening. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, thank you. So, so friends, I'm going to share with you a bit about La, and then we're just going to dive into um, just talk about mindfulness and mindful meditation. We'll cover that in this first half and the second half. I'm going to step in and talk a little bit about the work with tweens and teens. I know some of you may have, <clears throat> have those at home. I know I certainly do. Uh, maybe you work with them and just curious about this just amazing time in human development when there's so many amazing, beautiful things happening. So um, as I mentioned, uh, I met La during this, or was with her, she was a leader on my recent seven-day silent retreat. I did record a podcast about that. So if you're curious what it's like to go on a seven-day retreat, I encourage you to hop over and listen to that. And I think like many of the retreat leaders, one of the things I was so happily surprised about, and La, you certainly were this, was wicked smart, uh, wicked funny. And then La is this amazing, like funny songwriter. So that like you just brought so much joy and laughter and an authenticness to, to my life. So thank you. I've really reflect, reflected on so many things you said. And one of the things I keep near with me was a quote that you said on the retreat. I have my little journal right here. And that is, um, we are aware that we are aware that we are aware. The jig is up. I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's right. That's right. So I'm going to read a little bit about La to get a, so you can have a broader sense of this amazing human being's background. La is a non-binary Filipino-American body energy worker and song spoofing, totally, Dharma teacher. They have are a retreat teacher manager and guiding teacher of the LGBTIQ and peace people of color sanghas with the Insight Meditation Community of Washington, D.C. Teach retreats for LGBTIQ at the Garrison Institute, young adults at the Spirit Rock Meditation Center, and is a mentor for the Mindfulness Meditation, Meditation Teacher Certification Program with Tara Brock and Jet Cornfield. I'm in that program as a student. <laughs> they live in Towson, Maryland with their life partner, Wendy, and their two Carn Terriers, Annabelle and McGregor. And did you give Annabelle and McGregor the belly scratch for me? Yes, I did. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, and that's one of the things we share. We both are dog lovers. And as you know, I went 
to school in your neighborhood at Towson State and grew up in the, the Baltimore, Washington area. So I also feel that uh, resonating element with you. Yeah. And what, what great service you're providing to so many people and different communities around this work of becoming aware that we're aware that we're aware. <laughs> and La, I wonder if you'd be willing to um, to share with us, share with me and the listeners, like how do you define mindfulness and then mindful meditation? Sure. So for me, mindfulness basically is just moment-to-moment um, -moment awareness to what is happening, you know, in our lives, and to meet whatever it is that we're experiencing in those moment-to-moment -moment awarenesses with as much kindness and compassion as we can so that we can welcome whatever, you know, uh, joys, sorrows, you know, arise in our lives with, um, a, you know, uh, an attitude of like this too, like, you know, like bring it all, you know, to fully experience life. I remember um, I had this insight in therapy several years ago where I just walked in and said to my therapist, you know, all these retreats that I've been going to for meditation, all these self-help workshops, all these books that I've read, it's ultimately not about being happy, is it? And she said to me, what do you think it's about? And I said, I think it's about being fully alive. And she said, you know what, La, being fully alive is way better than being happy. Oh. And that totally like changed the trajectory of how I approached living my life. You know, it wasn't about chasing that which feels good or you know, um, brings me happiness or joy, but it's really to like allow as John Kabat-Zinn calls the full catastrophe of this life and how can I through my practice of mindfulness be with it and I, so yeah I love that and you know I recently read um in one of one of the texts for the course about how you know mindfulness is a lot of us do it thinking that we it is going to be our path to happiness and in fact it's it is really about and for some of us there's a time when things feel a little out of balance, you know, and maybe because we're grasping for that happiness. And I love mm -hmm. how you've just underscored and highlighted that it's about being with the fullness of all that life is. Right, right, exactly. And, you know, and how to meet it with like courage and strength and perseverance and, um, you know, it's, you know, like to keep persisting, like even, you know, when things are difficult, how do we meet it rather than run away for it? you know, from it. So whenever, um, so even like an invitation to do a podcast with you, you know, my, my, my sort of habitual energy is to say no, you know, it's like, I just want to stay in my little hole and I have nothing to offer. Um, but I say yes, because it's like, let me walk towards my fear rather than run away from it. And so that's been a real mantra and practice, you know, for me to keep just showing up for my life. And, you know, even if one person benefits from something that I, I share, I'm, I'm super happy. So. Yeah, I get that. Thank you. Thank you. And so then, so then what is this, you know, how would you then describe to someone, okay, that's mindfulness and, and why, why mindful meditation? Like, what's that? Yeah. So the practice of the formal practice of meditation just allows us to notice um, in a, you know, especially when you go on a long retreat, when you're just basically watching your own inner reality show, you know, we are often like so consumed by everybody else's, you know, business or reality that when we kind of turn the focus inward, it's like we really get to see like 
a lot of times who we perceive we are and not actually who we are. And so when we can like pay attention and notice like the different thoughts that go through our minds, the different feelings that move through our hearts and our bodies, the sensations that move through our bodies, you know, and pay close attention to them, it actually gives us a lot of information um, because if we're unconscious of all that, it actually informs our lives and often leads to somewhat unskillful ways of living and being in the world. Mm -hmm. And so when we can pay attention, it gives us actually um, the remembrance of choice that we have, you know, to move through life in a different way than we are accustomed to or we have been habituated by. Um, so, um, so it's really about paying attention to what is um, present for us and then um, skillfully being able to take that information and use it differently if needed. So. Yeah, and I, um, as you're sharing that, you have completely like highlighted, pinpointed one of my big experiences on the retreat. Um, and just in brief, one of the things I started to notice that I was doing um, was I kept going, and, and it's what I had been doing, I guess, for a long time in my life, like I would sort of, my thoughts would leave the presence and I often would be grasping, thinking about like, like a romantic relationship I was interested in, right? Mm -hmm. And so during the treat, I just kept, I started calling it grasping every mm -hmm. time my brain went there and it took, it took something. And, and I kind of thought it was funny for a while. Like, oh my God, look at that. Like, like every five <laughs> minutes, I'm like, think about this person, think about this person, like, dude, stay yeah. here. <laughs> and and what I've got though since then La is realizing in my day to day how much I was doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. really I've kind of been able to cut that cord. Mm. And it took, right? Like really the awareness of that intense time on retreat to right. really do that. And it's I feel like I've gained hours a day. You yeah. know, because I'm yeah. not like too thinking about something else. Right, right. So we are rarely in the present moment, especially if, you know, we haven't practiced mindfulness meditation. We are either like um, reminiscing about the past, which is already done, or we're constantly anticipating the future, which isn't here, you know. And so we're kind of living in these fantasy worlds that aren't really real, you know. They're just these things in our imagination. So what the practice of mindfulness does is actually brings us back into what is real, which is this present moment right now. My being with you, you know, on this podcast right now is all that I know is true. That really matters, you know. And so, um, yeah, so it is, you know, I often use with my teens the analogy of like the um, housebreaking a puppy, you know, where the present moment is the newspaper and the puppy is your mind. And, you know, the puppy is going to constantly, like your mind, be searching for something more interesting, you know, than the newspaper. And so it's like, how do we gently and kindly bring our little puppy, our minds back to the newspaper, back to the present moment? And the way we bring that puppy or mind back is really important, you know, because we are often so hard on ourselves, you know, and so the quality of how we <clears throat> approach life or how we welcome things into our life really makes a huge difference in our suffering or our freedom. So. Yeah, absolutely. And how important that self-compassion mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. Great. So, um, so La, as I pointed to a moment ago, like one of the things this, you know, practicing mindfulness meditation and watching my mind throughout the day and, and noticing it and with as much compassion as I can, that it's really made a difference 
you know, in my life day to day. And I wonder if there is, when you think about your life and an experience, trying to give our listeners an idea, like how this work can really make a difference in our lives, you know, sort of like on the court. Is there a time in your life that you can think of, and whether that was during breakfast this morning or another time, <laughs> when this work, the ability to tap into this work really made a difference in your being and what you really care about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess I'll try to do a really brief, like how, what brought me to start practicing to begin with, you know? and. So as a young child, I recognized that I was queer and I was non-binary. And at that point, you know, in the early 70s, there was no vocabulary for that for myself. I just knew that there was something innately wrong with me, you know, that I wasn't like anybody else, that there was um, something that, you know, like God didn't make me the right way, you know, was kind of how I felt in, you know, in a five-year-old's mind. And so I had to like figure out like, how am I going to survive being who I am in this world that is nothing like me, or at least that I've been able to see. And so the coping mechanisms that I started to use were to like be what everyone else wanted me to be. I could not be myself. And even as my immigrant parents who brought me here from the Philippines, you know, they didn't even claim being people of color. You know, they were like, follow the white people. You know, this is like, you know, you want to succeed in this country, this is how you have to be. So not only my gender identity, not only my sexual orientation, but not only my race, I couldn't like be any of these things. These things were not okay. And in a lot of ways still to this day, you know, I, I always joke that my all my identities are trending right now. <laughs> Being an immigrant transgender person of color is like, all right. Um, and so, uh, I got into relationships where it was all about meeting other people's needs and not even being aware of my own, you know? So there was just this way that I was seeking and wanting love and acceptance, but like kind of like looking for love in all the wrong places, you know? And it finally came to this um, one really bad, bad breakup that just, you know, shook me to my core. And I finally just decided that the common denominator in all my failed relationships, whether they be romantic or not, is me, you know, and I really needed to start taking a really good hard look at myself. And so a friend of mine said, you know, I started going to these classes with this woman named Tara Brock, and I wondered if you want to join me. So I started going to classes with Tara, and for the first seven years, I would go to each class every week religiously, and I would go on retreats with her. And Tara, as some of you may know, you know, wrote this book called Radical Acceptance. And it just really was really powerful for me to see, as I described earlier in terms of mindfulness, the stories that I was telling myself and the stories that I believed about myself. And I started to question those stories. Like, was it really true? Am I really an awful person? Is there really something wrong with me? And after sitting with that and doing a lot of loving kindness practice and self-compassion practice, I discovered like none of those things are true. It's not who I am, you know, and I, I believe the premise that we all have good in nature inside, you know, who we are truly is like perfect and whole and good. And once I started really um, believing that for myself and letting go of these stories through the practice, um, I started feeling actually a lot happier you know, and a lot, and happy, not in the sense of like giddy and laughing and and everything was fine, you know, I'm still who I am. And the world still sees someone like me in this, you know, in certain ways. 
But um, I've gotten to the point where no matter what anyone else thinks of me, what matters most is what I think about myself. And I just have gotten to this place where I really love myself and I accept myself and I get that I'm not perfect. And that's what I tried to be in trying to accept, you know, um, gain other people's acceptance and love was trying to be the most perfect person. <clears throat> and I've just, just, I've just, you know, recognized that the more I'm just who I am as flawed and as human and, and as you witnessed, you know, on the retreat, just like, just be myself. It's like, wow, I tell my little five-year-old inside, like, they really like love us. You know, they're like, we're okay. We don't have to hide anymore, you know? So for me, this practice, both of mindfulness and awareness and of loving kindness and self-compassion was so healing, you know, and has taken someone like myself to this place of like, freedom is determined by me. It's not determined by anything external to me. It's not determined by this administration, by any um, evangelicals or whatever. It's like, you know, they can have their feelings about me, but they cannot take my dignity away. I can only give that away, you know, to them. And mm -hmm. so, you know, all this stuff can, can happen, all, this, all these different things. And, you know, I can um, have fear when I travel to certain parts of this country, but it's like, you know, I can't forsake myself anymore. I did that for a good, you know, 30, 40 years. And um, I'm not giving up on myself at this point. So, so it's given me just this um, feeling of strength and courage and freedom that, you know, my fi little five-year-old never imagined I could have at this point in my life. So. Beautiful. And, and thank you so much for, for sharing that. And part of then what... What I feel like I hear, and just to underscore for um, for our listeners, is part of what the gift of of mindfulness and mindfulness meditation, the gift it's given you, is to notice the stories and maybe the body sensations when you were in those stories, so that you could start to see them that they weren't real. Is that yeah. accurate? Yeah. So, yeah. So the stories and, and like for somebody like me, you know, as a transgender person, like, you know, the body that I was born into was the body that I, I feel that I, you know, truly am. And so I've actually like come to peace with that. Like I actually had top surgeries so that I could sort of somewhat align myself. But I discovered that, you know, I actually don't want to become a man. I just want to be a law that doesn't have breasts, that kind of like looks like me, sounds like me. It took me, you know, 50 years to love this being, you know, I don't necessarily want to mess with that at this point. And so I'm really like grateful that um, it's had me like also forgive and to accept, you know, like some really like challenging, you know, ways of thinking and seeing myself, you know, in my life so that, um, that I can just be happy with what is, you know, and there's definitely ways that I can make changes and I've made certain choices around that, but um, it took me a long time and I'm glad it did, you know, because um, it does take that long. It took that long for me, I should say. So it may be different for other trans folks, but for me, it was, it was um, what it was. So I trust that. Yeah. And, and just in what you said about the, you know, in coming to love yourself, I find for me that this practice, because there is so much in it about uh, practicing 
loving kindness and compassion and forgiveness that this work, it's almost surprising to me how it's given me access to love and appreciate, you know, all that I am, you know, uh, <laughs> in a really different way is, has, do you feel like this work has also provided a space in that way for, for your own loving kindness for yourself? Yeah, definitely. And I've definitely found like the more I am able to love and accept myself, the more I'm truly able to love and accept other people, mm. you know? And so it really, it really does, you know, um, matter in that, in that sense. And so, um, you know, and to really get like, you know, we're, I'm an imperfect flawed being and like, that's totally okay. We're all human. We're all learning. We're all doing the best we can. Sometimes we can do a little bit better, you know, but there's definitely, I've softened a whole lot. You know, I used to be very like rigid and um, controlling and, and, you know, there's still different aspects, but hopefully in um, being used in a very skillful or like wholesome way. You know, like I often manage meditation retreats and, and so I always say like, may my OCD be of benefit to all beings, you know, <laughs> but these things are good to control, to trying to control other people is not so much. So, right. Yeah. Finding, finding the, the two sides of that seed. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. That's so great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So La, let's take a quick break here. And okay. um, then when we come back, we will hear, um, have you lead a practice and hear a little bit about your work with tweens and teens and beyond. Okay. Sounds good. All right. We'll be back in a minute. Interested in learning more about making good choices for yourself, others, and the universe on and off the yoga mat? Hi, this is Grace, one of Beth's awesome kids, and I want you to know that my mom's resources and programs with Yoginos, Yoga for Youth, have your back. Be amazing and check out the trainings, award-winning bilingual resources, licensee program, and one-on-one -on -one coaching opportunities with my mom, Beth, at yoginos.com. That's Y-O-G-I-N-O-S.com. Now back to you, mom. Hi, welcome back to the second half of the oh Amazing Way podcast. I'm Beth Reese, and I'm here with La Sarmiento today talking about mindfulness, mindfulness meditation, how it makes a difference in our lives and what we really care about. Uh, La was just sharing a beautiful story about coming into a place of self-love and kindness and stepping into her whole and complete self, or I'm sorry, stepping into their whole and complete self. And La is going to, as a re retreat manager and someone who re leads, leads meditations and was part of leading a retreat that I was on, she is going to gift us, I'm sorry, they is going to gift us, and thank you for as I catch myself, that awareness, um, they is going to lead us on a uh, meditation uh, right here, right now. So what do you have for us? Yeah, thank you, Beth. So I thought I'd offer um, a self-compassion meditation for us this afternoon, this morning, wherever we are <laughs> in this time-space continuum. So, all right. So if everyone would just please find a comfortable way of sitting that allows you to be upright yet relaxed. You can feel your feet on the ground, your seat and your chair or cushion. 
gently let your eyes close and if that's not okay for you you may create a soft gaze downwards take a couple of deep breaths in and out to allow yourself to let go of any worries or concerns of the day just for this next little while And see if you can notice any areas of tension or stress in your body, as well as areas of spaciousness and ease. And feel free to take a deep breath into any areas that might feel tight or constricted to invite a sense of relaxation. Take a moment to be aware of <clears throat> any feelings or emotions that may be present in your heart or any area of your body. And see if you can meet whatever you discover with compassion and kindness. And then lastly, take note of the quality of your mind in this moment. And without judgment, just allow but to be as it is. Before we begin with this short practice of self-compassion, you may want to place your hand over your heart or on the side of your face as a gesture of care and love. And so let us bring to mind ourselves either as an adult or as a child, or we've been in a place of <clears throat> challenge, difficulty, or suffering. Not a really traumatic experience, but just something that you can work with right now to offer yourself some self-compassion. And then I'm going to offer these phrases and then you're just going to see if you can resonate with them as we go along. May I accept myself just as I am. May I be kind and gentle with myself when I am suffering. May I trust that I'm doing the best I can in this moment. May I incline my heart and mind towards understanding rather than criticism towards myself and others. So just noticing as you take these phrases in for yourself, are there any sensations in your body, emotions or feelings arising in your heart, or thoughts in your mind? May I accept myself just as I am. May I be kind and gentle with myself when I am suffering. May I trust that I'm doing the best I can in this moment. 
And may I incline my heart and mind towards understanding rather than criticism towards myself and others. Gently allowing these phrases to wash over you. Just again, noticing any sensations, feelings, thoughts that may be arising. And just seeing if you can meet whatever is present with as much kindness and compassion as you can. So as we come to the close of our practice, gently bring your attention back to your breath and feel your seat in your chair or cushion and legs and or feet on the ground. Take a couple of deep breaths here. And whenever you're ready, you may gently allow your eyes to open. Mm. Oh, thank you. Mm. Thank you. And that's, um, you know, I recently named the uh, kind of the negative voice in my head, Voldemort. <laughs> man sometimes it's just like nasty up there yeah. um, and it's that you know that self-criticism and these the a practice of loving kindness and what you just led self-compassion I mean I even just in that moment felt this like softening of you know the the fog or cloud that's like right there that wants to be you know critical of the self Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I often find that like, you know, just the, the physical touch, whether it be a like, hand over your heart, and, you know, just a, just a kind gesture, it's just really that kinesthetic sense, you know, also adds to that softening. At least it works that way for me. So. Yeah, yeah, it really does. It really does. So beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome, Beth. And so thinking about... Um, you know, critical voices and the beautiful human beings known as tweens and teens and you know they the way their mind and bodies are changing and working and like craving endorphins and just really learning to come into their own um you know and i of course i have right now three tweens and teens you know of my own mm -hmm. um and they're really amazing and I know a lot of the work that you do, or you do some work with tweens and teens. And I'm curious, first of all, how, um, you know, about bringing mindfulness and mindful meditation to this community. And I know we, we had some email exchanges and, uh, you know, kind of half laughing that like the tweens and teens get what life, you know, the changing world is us older adults that, you know, are struggling with it. Um, any thoughts? feedback, ideas? Well, first sharing what you do with tweens and teens. Sure. <clears throat> offer, you know, an old mom like me, um, or offer <laughs> us you know, any insight you have into what we might be thinking about and listening for. Sure, sure. Thank you, Beth. 
So about eight years ago, when I first started teaching, um, I was teaching this one retreat and this woman approached me and said, you know, La, I love the way you teach. I think you'd be really great with, um, you know, teenagers. You know, do you have any experience working with them? And I said, I have absolutely no experience working with teenagers and I'm quite afraid of them. <laughs> yes, I get and like that. I, you know, was telling you earlier, it was like, okay, here's this other thing where you're fearing something. So like walk towards it. And so what I found, um, you know, because I would ask friends of mine who were, you know, worked with a lot of teens and all they said was like, you have to be yourself. You just have to be real, you know, because their BS meters are so sensitive that they totally will know when you're trying to get them to like you or, you know, you're, all that kind of stuff. So um, what I have found, you know, in working with them is really about being truly myself, like being really honest about who I am, being honest about my humanity, you know, it's not like I have all the answers, you know, and also to be a really good listener, you know, to really like see these young beings as like these amazing, um, wondrous, you know, and, and, and it's interesting because I noticed on these team retreats that I would, would teach that my inner parent would start coming out. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm son. And it's like, why can't these teens just behave, you know, like all these different things. And then my own inner teenager stuff started coming up as well. So it's just like the mindfulness practice just really allowed me to like, just kind of see, oh, here's that parent voice going on in me because I'm feeling scared and out of control. Or there's this, um, you know, inner teenager in me that just wants to go hide in a corner and not like talk to anybody, you know, so to be aware of like what's happening in me at the same time, but really being present and interested, you know, in these teens. And, um, and what I found is that they just want to be heard, you know, they just want to be seen, you know, and they want to be able to express themselves fully and, um, and be appreciated for who they are, you know, and be encouraged in that. So I think, you know, what I've found um, most useful, most powerful in working with them is just being with them, just being really present. And at the same time, um, as much as possible, embodying my practice, you know, embodying compassion, embodying kindness, especially embodying patience, you know, <laughs> for them and for myself. You know? So it, it really is. And then to, you know, um, find ways of like being able to communicate better, you know, with them and also like giving them their space, you know, they're working out a lot, you know, and I'm finding too in the work that I've done with teens is so many of them are so stressed out, you know, with technology, with school, with, you know, just expectations and demands from family, friends, parents, teachers. It's just, they're holding so much, you know, and when I reflect back to the my years as a teenager, it's like, wow, I don't think I had a quarter of like what these you know, kids are dealing with now. So I just gave, you know, just give them a lot of space to, to just be, you know, and in, in offering the practice, it really um, was a good way to like, let them know, like, you can like give up your device, you know, you can live without this for a while and you can actually interact with people face to face and to feel a connection with them. You know, some teens, the only friends they have are people online, you know, and it's really intense. And so to just really, you know, get um, a sense of like what they may be, you know, dealing with, because they're not necessarily always going to be able to tell you that. Um, but just to, you know, imagine, you know, what if I were a teenager right now, and 
all the pressures and all that's going on in the world, what the messages I'm receiving, you know, are. Yeah, and absolutely. to and they'd be able to just imagine that, yeah. Yeah, and you know, in your experience, both as a meditation teacher and working with teens, are there any, um, and, and I know it can be so individual, so, you know, we can, you can explore this question however you want. Um, are there any like one or two inroads of teaching mindfulness meditation that seem like kind of your go-to one or two the first time you introduce it? Yeah, I think um, what a lot of teens resonate with, like sometimes just the sitting awareness practice tends to put them asleep or like they want to get distracted or, but when you start talking about like the hard practices, especially around loving kindness and being gentle towards themselves, that always brought so many tears into the room, you know, when we would do these retreats. And it would bring people closer together. You know, they would all like hug each other afterwards. I mean, there's just this real your craving for connection you know like real real connection you know and a lot of the ways teen retreats are held are not like these silent adult retreats because you can't keep teens silent for you know an hour so it's really very um into uh very relational you know so there's a lot of small group discussions a lot of you know get to know you games that we you know a lot of game playing you know so it's it's like fun you know it's it's like you know engaging and fun and relational and and it you know helps them like open their hearts you know and because it's really hard to trust sometimes you don't know who to trust especially with like all this online stuff you know and cyberbullying and all these different kinds of things yeah, so it's sure. it's really like um you know just creating a safe space as possible being as welcoming and inclusive to all parts of their identities however they're expressing themselves or however they see themselves um and just holding that space and allowing them to tell their stories is really what uh, what i've found for myself uh, you know really makes that connection beautiful beautiful yeah and um and thank you for that work um it's I know making a difference in the world. And, and so in addition to working with teens, there are many other things that you do and maybe some ways <laughs> we can find and come sit with you and would you like to share what else you're up to in making a difference in the world? Uh, so um, I'm based, you know, in the Baltimore DC area and with the Insight Meditation Community of Washington and I lead the people of color and LGBTIQ sanghas for IMCW and those two sanghas meet once a month. Uh, in August, we're doing a day long for people of color on August 24th and I'm doing it with Kate Johnson, who uh, is one of my colleagues in this MMTCP program. And on August 25th, we're doing a day long for LGBTIQ folks. Um, in October, I'm leading an LGBTIQ retreat down at Southern Dharma in uh, outside of Asheville, North Carolina. Um, and um, managing a retreat for Tara and the IMCW crew in November. And in 2020, I'll be all over the place. But the easiest way to find out what I'm up to and, and where I'll be is through my website, which is www.lawsarmiento.com. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. I know I was, when I contacted you, I was like, how do I come practice with you? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's so funny because a lot of my like retreats and things right now are so, um, 
specialized for like certain communities and stuff. And it's only been like maybe in the past three years that I started to teach straight cisgender white men. <laughs> it's like I used to do like retreats for women or teens or people of color, or LGBTIQ folks or young adults. So um, I'm trying to like be a little bit more mainstream and, and see what happens with that. So great, so great. Well, La, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and um, the thunderstorm there with you today. And <laughs> yeah. thank you so much for being here with us and just for all the great work that you're up to. Well, thank you, Beth. Thank you for having this program, appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. All right, well, friends, thank you for dropping in and being with us. Please take take everything, especially what resonated with you and share it with your friends, your colleagues, subscri subscribe and share this podcast. And as always, be amazing. Thanks, see you next time. Thank you for joining my mom and her guest on The Amazing Way. Hi, this is Cole, Beth's son. And for more information on bringing mental hygiene or mindfulness, yoga on and off the mat, her award-winning bilingual resources, and other programs into your home and school, check out yoginos.com. Be sure to share this podcast, and remember, you are amazing. amazing.